I, I believe we are now live. It is December 21st at 10 a.m., which means it's time for Magnetism, Machines, and Mayhem, uh, hosted Oops. by Tony uh, and Greg. And we have a special guest, uh, Soba, from uh, from a whole bunch of different places. I'm not exactly sure where he's representing now. Yo, where's, my, where's my cat, man? Oh, it won't go on your screen. Huh? Yeah. Ah, um, Welcome to uh, Reinventing the Tattoo, where uh, tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all welcome to join into these live streams, to watch the replays, ultimately to create better art and tattoos together. You could find Reinventing the Tattoo on either of the app stores, on YouTube, on the Roku, where we've got 15 channels of uh, tattoo programming going on at any given moment, including drunk critique against our, our better uh, judgment. Uh, you could find the replays of the audio on all of the major uh, podcast directories. So if you have to play something for your uh, tattoo shop, uh, these are awesome to play in the background. You can always find the latest and greatest uh, at reinventingthetattoo.com. You can check out uh, Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Canon, uh, probably the most comprehensive uh, online course that exists for tattooing. He's got uh, not only the, the old book and all the videos, he's got new videos coming out because he's got a new video editor as well as I think it's like two years now of exercises that happen every Monday at nine o'clock. So uh, there are free samples to try out. If you go to reinventingthetattoo.com, then we've got a whole mess of shows like this that are open to the uh, free and open to the public. Uh, Sundays, we have Reinventing Drawing Group with Jason Lisa at one o'clock. Uh, Mondays are our big days. 9 a.m. is a drawing uh, for tattooers with James Wisdom at 11 a.m. Monday. These are all Eastern Standard. Uh, we've got the Tattoo Weekly. Uh, Robbie Rapol has Let's Talk Feelings uh, at five o'clock on Mondays. This is every week. And then nine o'clock is the Reinventing Subscribers uh, exercises on Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., we've got a drawing group with Ricardo Stervenat. Wednesdays, we have the Tattoo Now Business uh, and uh, Interview Show at one o'clock. Uh, Thursdays at 6 p.m. is the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. And Derb's been hopping on doing some trivia for... Uh, some tattoo trivia during the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. In any event, uh, you can find out the schedule of all of those shows right at the homepage of TattooNow.com. And uh, yeah, I'm going to hop in the background here because I'm excited to, to tune into this one. Um, let me see. I, I know that Soba has been to a couple of our events and the when I'm following up, it does like not only the machines, but all this crazy mechanical art. It's really cool. But uh, I'm, I'm not qualified to, to talk. So I'm going to pass you along to Tony and Greg. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Let us know if this is working in the chat room. Uh, let us know where you're beaming in from, maybe tag somebody that's interested in tattoos or definitely anybody interested in tattoo machines. And uh, okay, I'm out. Bye, Gabe. Thank you. That was quick and sweet. Peace, Joe. He said something right off the bat. Um, I'm Tony Urbanic. I'm the host for, of Machines Magnetism and Mayhem <laughs> with my co-host, Greg DiGiacento. Hey, you got it right. We're supposed to meet every month. Sometimes we don't, depending on how busy we are, <laughs> and cut it up with got shit to do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, and talk about machines, tattoo machines, obviously. And what I was alluding to earlier was Gabe said something about Soba building mechanical art, and that's right. Um, I know you built mechanical machines, but this mechanical art thing piqued my interest. Not to segue out of an intro, but let's just jump in, man. Jump in. Well, uh, it's kinetic. Anything that moves, you know, like the mechanisms of a tattoo machine. Well, the whole, 
<laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, it's metal smithing, and I do like little automatons kind of thing, you know, where you turn the crank and they move and stuff like that. I haven't done any recently, but I'm working on some. But what do you say? I said okay. no. That's awesome. Oh wow. yeah, yeah. So I just when I um when I was making machines, I I took a jewelry class to uh to kind of learn more about how to make tattoo machines look cool. Like take some maybe jewelry aspects and some some skills and stuff and apply those to the machines, right? Um, and I ended up just what happened? Ooh. What's that? <laughs> we are showcasing your coolness right here. I'm a, a screen sharing here for you. Oh, tight. I was like, did I just get kicked off already? We have yeah. the technology. <laughs> I don't know. There, there might not be a lot. Uh, I don't know. You might have to scroll pretty far down to find any of what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I just there like little little is. interactive pieces, you know, that do more than just you just look at them. You know, that's why I started doing all of the little sculpts and hiding around town and shit like that, just to make it a little more interactive and fun, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, anybody who's tuning in right now or anybody who tunes in later, our guest is BJ Johnson, Soba, aka Soba One. Yep. If you don't know who he is, you better go look it up. Yep. Uh, I know for me, I've been following him since the beginning of my career. So it's an honor to to sit here and I'm still kind of blown away that yeah. You well, thank you, man. It's an honor You're to have you here. Appreciate that. Super influential uh tattoo machine builder uh from from my perspective um and uh irreplaceable as far as like uh a machine be a machine builder with you know if, when you think about the the you know early 2000s absolutely irreplaceable uh as a machine builder and a staple in uh the tattoo machine building scene that was such a crazy time you know we don't get to see too many I don't know what you would even call them, but, uh, you know, times like that when things really shift and blow up and change and, you know, you kind of, I was really lucky to be there when that all happened, you know? Yeah, yeah you were definitely one of the pioneers of the shift, man. That's for sure. There's, there's three names that, that come to mind and, uh, you were definitely top of the list. Thank like, you, man. Change the perspective on things, which is really cool. I mean, you modernized what we were doing, you know, it, it, it was just a different perspective, I think, yeah. you know, um, I, I think one of my greatest assets in coming into it was my ignorance, to be honest with you, you know, uh, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do certain things. I definitely got corrected along the way, but, um, you know, coming into it from not really knowing and just being giddy and like you said, nerdy, man, it was just, uh, just how it worked out. It was awesome. How, yeah. how did you fall into it? Like, how did you start getting into building machines? Like, you started out as a like a graffiti artist. You were telling me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was fucking with graffiti back way back in the day, um, and in all of our little crew or whatever, I was I was the only one that was that could draw and stuff. And so when it came time for us to start getting tattooed, I was drawing all the tattoos for me and my buddies and stuff, you know, and taking them to the tattoo shop. And the guy was like, wow, this is, these are great. You know, you, you ever think about doing tattoos? And I was like, no, not really. But why is that? Would that be cool? Like, you know, and so then I started like seeing like we didn't have very many tattoos. It was real super, you know, random. Like, hey, let's go get a tattoo and whatever, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I got interested in it and got into it. And I was always making stuff anyway. Like when I was a skater back in the day, I wanted to make my own deck, you know, like, and I did, I did not a good one, but you know, I just reverse yeah. engineering shit, figuring out how it works and then wanting to create it for myself. 
so when I got into tattooing, uh, the machine was just this crazy thing, you know, like you remember the first time you ever saw one and realized what it did and how it did it. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was that. And Hot. then down the hole, you know? Yeah. yeah. It grabs you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're geared that way, um, yeah. The mechanical mind. So when you were growing up, did you always tear things apart and put it back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Always, always, always like anything that wasn't working right. It, fuck it, man. I was taking apart, you know, boom boxes, tape cassettes, you know, video game cartridges, whatever the fuck it was. And it wasn't like I was doing anything with it. I just had to tear it apart. See what was in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah analytical mechanical mind at work and that curiosity you know like wow how, why does that do that who, who who the fuck thought of that you know like things were just interesting and you know new that's a cool frame so who did you start tattooing with were you apprenticed were you self-taught um and, and that being said also second part of my question is where did you learn to build machines? Were you self-taught? Did you have any mentors? And real quick, you're in Grand Rapids now. Were you always in Grand Rapids? Yeah, you... I've been here the whole time. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. All right. West Michigan the whole time, man. Yeah, I'm not much of a traveler. I don't get out much. I don't do, you know, I don't do shows very often just because I don't like to travel much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I just pretty much been in Grand Rapids the whole time. Okay. Uh, when I, well, that was the guy, the guy that we just ended up getting tattoos from was the guy that would apprentice me. It was a real, real quick crash course. And a lot of, of course, with a lot of misinformation, it only lasted about six months before he just took off. So there was four guys. It was me as the apprentice and then the piercer as the apprentice and then the other two tattooers. And they both left at the same time. So both apprentices just kind of had the shot. It was up, it was, it wasn't a shop shop. It was a couple of rooms in a head shop upstairs, but, uh, <laughs> but it was just in our lap. So we just had to figure it out, you know? So the, that that's when the self-taught began. Like I was introduced to it. I was shown the importance of sterilization. I was, I was shown the importance of not cross-contaminating shit. I, you know, like the basics of needle configurations, what a mag was, what a liner was, you know, the difference in the pigments and stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't like, completely blind i had some real solid basics uh but after he left then it was just me trying to figure it out so that's what that, that's when i started to try to go to conventions and take a ton of seminars um there was one in detroit there's one the motor city show every year there used to be a ton of really really good seminars and they go every year and take a handful um like who like Juan puente i know he was doing them back then jerry rieger was doing them back then um well i it, i did one with jack rudy i did one with loud tuttle i did um oh. the guy from uh time machine dennis i forgot his name dennis Dwyer? no anyway the guy from fucking time machine and um, no no um, um He's out and then and then and then a lot like different like different tattoo you know art style stuff like i don't think guy ever did them i don't remember i don't know it's been a long long time 
Yeah, we won't hold it against you. <laughs> or uh, Fowler, D. Fowler from Time Machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep, Nanny Fowler. <laughs> oh my God, we're all going to hell. Seriously, <laughs> I said, I said, Danny Fowler. You did? Yeah. Oh, yes. that just. It's like it's easy to get it mixed up with Dennis Dwyer, though. I said Dennis Dwyer. That's why I just kind of had a senior moment there, I guess. But you know, I didn't I didn't come into it with already knowing that there was a history. So like when I when I was attracted to the tattoo machines, you know, I didn't I just thought companies made them just like cars. Like I didn't think that a tattoo machine was any different than a car. You know, it was it was made by a big factory by a bunch of different people. It wasn't a personality thing at all. I just it was the equipment, right? Um, so when I started getting into it, like I do everything else, and then I did go to that Motor City show and I learned real fast that, uh, it was a thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> I knew absolutely nothing about that thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I started kind of paying attention to the people that came before that was actual individuals, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. At that time, like how many tattoo machine, com- like how many tattoo machine or excuse me, suppliers do you think were making uh, uh, so when I got into it, there was, um, Papillon that was with the tubes and the ink. There was, um, obviously Spalding, but everybody was kind of hating on them at the time. Uh, national, yeah. obviously I had to call that. I had to get a reference to get, you know, to get into national, um, United, I think was out there still. So yeah, that, that was about it for me. Icon was just popping up when I got into it. So we had those technical papers with the needles and that's kind of how I learned needle configurations. And, and, and yeah. Machine gun magazine started right around there. What was huge was that around that time, Jack Mosier uh, was going over and bring, getting Mickey Sharp's machines and bringing them back to West Michigan and selling them. And that was the first time. And, you know, there was a, a group over at Magnum that, we're really into traveling and, and doing big tattoo stuff. And, and Jack Moser was the one that started that shit. So actually, um, really soon into my tattoo career, I got two, uh, I got a T-dial and a micro-dial from Jack Moser that he brought over. Um, one of the last probably real good ones, you know, in that time. Yeah. And that's when I was like, holy shit, there was a difference between this swing gate kit that I had put together and this fucking tea dial, and I was like, wow, you know. So then I started to really go down that path, you know. After that, was was there any individuals that were, uh, you know, making custom stuff? Like I know, you know, maybe like Scott Sterling and and I didn't know uh, any of them making some yeah. custom stuff. But was there any other? You know, I know that like Mickey Sharps was like the top. Like if you had a Mickey Sharps, and you might as well have had like a lightsaber. You know, yeah, yeah, that was just that was the professional tool. Like that was the like if you if you're serious about doing tattoos, like those are the machines that are going to get you there. You know, two thousand one, two thousand two. I remember that I got my first uh, Mickey Sharps. I ran into Creeper at a New York City convention, and he tattooed my ex girlfriend at the time, and he was using the uh, the frameless, the pause liner. I don't know if you mm. ever seen that. It was never offered in the catalog. And I was like, whoa, dude, what is that? It's just like, because I was yeah. just putting together those little national kits, like the Jonesy kits and the Eagle, mm-hmm. the flyweights. And I saw that thing and I was like, what is this, dude? This is rad. And he hit me to Mickey Sharps. 
And he said, you have to call that guy. I, I've told this story before, Greg. You have, to, mm -hmm. you have to call overseas and you had to go to a bank, transfer your money into British pounds, fill out the paperwork and send it. And it'd take like two, three weeks to get back to you. But the, this one was in a catalog. It's called a positive liner. I don't know if you've ever seen one. They're, they're like pretty rare. I think you've showed me one before, yeah. Yeah, I still have one. I, I actually traded them on to John Chance for a tattoo, but then I bought another one off of Skyver years later. Yeah. I mean, of course, Skyver has one. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, what, uh, what kind of, what were you, what, what did you start building on? Like, you know, like, it, did you start with like a national kit or a Spalding kit or? And I, again, in that, in that real quick um, apprenticeship, he was like, you're going to order kits and you're going to put them together. And I'm not basically, they're not going to tell you shit. You know, it was, it was real. Like, look at this one that was finished. Here's a big bag of parts, figure this thing out kind of thing. And so, yeah, I had my first machines were national swing gate kits um, that I had to assemble myself. And then there was the other guy in the shop was the only guy that, is, that supposedly knew anything about machines. He would, we'd have to give them to him to tune them. Um, right. so he would, he would fix what I did wrong or whatever, make them work. And if, you know, if I wasn't able to get a result out of a tattoo, well, it was because John had to tattoo, had to tune the machine, you know? Yeah. So I was like, fuck this. I need to learn how to tune my own machine. This is ridiculous. And so, yeah, and we went. Yeah. So, I feel like the, like back then, especially like information was like either misinformation or, uh, you know, like, or like it was very rare that you found somebody that really, really knew what was going on. Oh, oh yeah. I've been for a long time. No, always like there was always like one guy in the shop that was like, "Oh yeah, I'll tune your machines for you," but he couldn't explain why. Couldn't explain why he would just take them in the back and tinker with them until they yeah. sounded different, and then he'd come out and be like, "Here you go, it's all set." You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was no explanation. It's just like, "Oh yeah, I'll just give my machines to this guy." Yeah, I think anything else, self-learning is a process, you know, again, going back to ripping things apart and putting it back together and playing with it, you know, yeah. you evolve in the technical aspect of learning. Yeah, I totally relate because there wasn't information, there wasn't books, there wasn't the internet, people were tight on information, nobody wanted, well, a lot of people that I knew didn't want to give up anything, especially local artists and local shops, not that there were many. Well, but. look around now, now we know why, now we know what they were so fucking afraid of, and uh, they yeah. were right. <laughs> it is. Well, There's yeah, going to be well, no stopping it, but. No. I mean, that's nothing, I wouldn't be sitting here, like having a conversation with my mentor and somebody that I looked up to in tattoo machine building 20 years ago, if none of that stuff existed, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's like, there's a lot of people that got into it and fell off, you know, but there's like, there's like very few people that started from that era that like actually kept it going and like, you know, through the years progressed and progressed and progressed and really pursued it. Right. Um, so I don't think like everything was out there. I think like every little, every little nook and cranny that you could get, like you kept to yourself or, you know, you only shared with people that uh, you, you deemed really worth it, you know, that weren't going to exploit what you, what you knew or what you found out. Um, See, and that's the piece that they were worried about. Like I, I was very, like I said, very ignorant. So I was like, oh, this is, every time I learn something, I want to go tell 10 people like, check out this fucking thing. Like no one cares. Right. Yeah. But I was doing that with the tattoo machine shit too online. You know, once the internet started, you know, when we were on the forums and things, I was just like, 
asking questions and answering questions. And if I got, you know, I was like, oh, well, I learned this because I was so excited. And, you know, a couple, couple of people had to warn me of exactly that. Like, no, they're going to take this shit and exploit it. Like, you worked to understand that. You can't just give it away. It, it, it won't be received correctly. And so it, it took time to, to learn how to be excited and share properly, I guess. Yeah. So I think like, you a lot of talking about it and then like, for sure, like you start talking about like the technical stuff with tattoo machines and depending on who you're talking to, because it's not like I like, there's not a lot of tattoo machine builders around where I live. So you start talking to people and then you they get this like glaze, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I still get oh, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, you know, that's why it's, you know, I mean, and bringing it back to like why we do this podcast is because it's a forum for fucking nerds like i love that dive deep into like this the same stuff like we're there i mean there's a lot of people making tattoo machines and i get that and that's fine that doesn't change what i will do it's not going to change what any of us are going to do uh we're still going to make tattoo machines but um that circle of people that are like super, super, super nerdy about it is getting smaller and smaller, you know? Sure. sure. Yeah. Because you know, the, the circle of people that want to work for things is getting smaller and smaller. The circle of people that understand what Tony was saying, how it takes time to, for understanding is getting smaller and smaller yeah, you, you said about- it right now, and, but it's not valuable then. So you don't get to enjoy it. You don't get to have that amazing feeling of learning and growing and then moving on to the next thing they just want it right now get the thing and then go yeah patience is in short supply Mm -hmm. i was kind of like that when i was younger too um you know i wanted to graduate from high school when i was in eighth grade you know it's just how i was wired i was just always like trying to move forward faster playing the guitar um skateboarding bmx i wanted to be better than i was but i just I had to learn that I had to dial it down and just live in the moment and be who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still yep. feel that way, man. I, I don't know if it's a personality type. I don't know if it's just the way I'm wired, but I'm always like, I'm in the middle of doing 30 projects and I'm thinking about the 30 next ones. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a disease, man. I have it and it's terrible. It keeps me from enjoying life, you know, when like you just want to be focused and, and and soaked into that thing but you got 30 other things that you know that you should be doing or could be doing yeah. and, and then and that's constant it doesn't matter what i choose to do i'm still thinking i should be doing something else now it's terrible and, yeah. a, and another side of that is the time track like when i when i put my head down next thing i know it's four hours later my wife called me three times i'm late and i just i can't stop i'm just like it's gotten to the point for me where it's just like there's no other hobbies besides like everything has to do with tattoo (laughs) tattoo machines is my life you know besides my family you know machines tattooing number one uh and painting and making pigment that's it like that's, that's it. Nice. That's nice. If you're able to, if you're able to stick with that and that be your core and that you know meet all of your needs, that's fantastic. You know, well, the sacrifice by anything like, fucking shiny. Everything's interesting, you know. Yeah. So I want to get into all of it. Well, the sacrifice is like you know I have <laughs> sure. you know 
I don't skate anymore. Like I've been skating since I was eight years old. I've been playing guitar since I was eight years old. You know, like I got concrete hands when I go to try to play guitar, I got to shake the concrete out. It's like, you know, there's, there's not, there's no time for bands. <laughs> there's no time for like, you know, doing any, like it's the only time to like focus on, you know, tattooing. And, you know, it's like, I got more past and future, my friends. So it's like, I want to get it all in as much as I can. Yeah. You know, I think that's a typical story, Greg, because you said yeah. a couple of things that trigger me, too, because I did the same. I rode BMX for years, downhill, mountain bike, play yep. guitar, and it just, I don't have time for that. I have family. I have my business. Yeah. Like BJ said, you whittle, whittle it down to the core components that mm-hmm. make you happy, that are important. Yeah. But I'm not even sure they make me happy. <laughs> It's just like what's happy? What do you mean? Wow. It's, it's like it's constant, you know what I mean? I think DJ said shiny. <laughs> Is that, it's like that's the one word. Oh, shiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um <laughs> crazy. The cat. I just cat. discovered we have the same cat. Oh, yeah, you do. You have a brown tabby like mine. Yeah. He's the coolest dude ever. How long have you had him? Uh, Simba's 10. 10. I've had him nine years. Yeah, I've had him nine years, I think. And that's your, like, he's your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have two. Poor guy. <laughs> and he, he chose, you know, he's mine. And and Riza is the girl. And that's my wife's cat. And, uh, yeah, they're very, they and very oh. specific and possessive. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's mine, yeah. That's wild, their personalities, because mine's the same way. He uh, he wasn't purchased by me, but he ended up with me. And, same, yeah. Like, he's my man. Like, he's just, he's my buddy. I love that. It's great. I'm, I've never had a dog. Like, I'm, I I love all animals, but um, I never really had a lifestyle where I could do a dog. I, we, we talk about it all the time, and but, you know, you can't really bring a dog into a family of cats that are established, so we're always yeah. in cycle it's never the right time so i'm just super into cats they're perfect for me they're in our lifestyle and they're awesome so what was and they're like basically cats the cat dogs <laughs> like hey, little dogs or big dogs chihuahuas uh, yeah they're fucking awesome <laughs> Chihuahua. they're the best dogs ever my one dog, she's they kind of look like this too, which is they do. <laughs> like 13, she's got no teeth. Her name is Steely, named after like the greatest <laughs> band to ever live and play. Steely nice. band. She's the, the fucking queen. You know, I found her on the street. She's like four pounds. She's smaller than a cat. She's amazing. She makes these little the street. Yeah, dude. Long story. I'll save that. But like, yeah, I found her on the street, like, and it was uh yeah, I took her home. I didn't have a dog, but then I had a dog after I found her. She's fucking mad cool. Dog. That's cool. Pussy roll turd. Fucking great. Easy cleanup. <laughs> You're a big softy. Who, me? Yeah. What are you telling? The world. Don't ruin my... I was telling the story <laughs> the other day about when I learned you were a boxer. When oh, we yeah. were just benching and I, like, play it. And you hit me, like, six times before I went like this. And I was just like, what just Uh, happened? I wouldn't go so far to call myself a boxer (laughs) because I don't don't, don't box no more. (laughs) 
I want to go. I want to go that far. That's I'm quick, good, but that's, that's, like, a good that's, quick that's a whole other thing. Uh, we got to get you up to Rubber City so you could you could come and meet BJ in person, dude. And he's something else, man. Ooh. He's something else, Soba. You are great. Talking about talk dragons, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got to work out. I got to work out the summer, man. You know how it is. Right now, <laughs> I'm in the middle of making parts. I'm not even making parts yet. I'm making jigs. Yeah, I got like new jigs to make, and then I'll make parts in January, February. Yeah. So, and uh, it's like, you know, summertime. I'm right near Atlantic City. It's like walking crazy, so it's hard for me to break away. That's you know. Cool. But uh, I would love to get out there. I would love to hang. You know, you haven't come to it. You haven't gone to the Rubber City show. You didn't go last year. No, no, no. I'm like, I mean, I be, I've become, you know, a lot like you. Like you're like, oh, like what? Well, I don't, I don't get out much. I had, and you know what sucks about that? I had like so many good opportunities to go like guest spot in so many good shops, and I just like get stuck doing fucking infinity symbols on like shoebies ribs and stuff like you know like what's what we call tourists over here we call them shoebies so it's like i get stuck like doing like you know you do anywhere from six to ten tattoos a day and uh like you know i don't like to disappoint i want people to come to my shop and have a good time and get tattooed you know so uh you know summertime's hard for me to get away um but i will try <laughs> It's cool to hear that there's still shops like that. Like we don't we don't see a lot of that anymore at all. It's all <clears throat> fancy pants, books closed types type shit. Um, yeah. I did, my favorite time tattooing was when I was in <clears throat> in the street shop. You know, doing five six tattoos a day, uh, flash off the wall. It was it was that was the funnest time actually. That was the that was the funnest time ever tattooing was was. I that feel like it it takes more discipline to um to tattoo that way. Than it does to just, I mean, I don't know. Cause like doing like backs and sleeves and shit is fucking discipline too. Yeah, but then there's emails. <laughs> then you gotta tend to emails though, see? You don't have to do that with walking. I mean, listen, I like even if it's a walk There's no like, emailing on the walk. Our shop is like we keep the doors locked anyway. Like it's not like it's not like you can't just walk in. So if you wanna get tattooed that day, it's like you kind of gotta set it up a little bit. Cause like we're in kind of a crappy spot so mm -hmm. i don't want like people just rolling right in and like you know taking up residence in our front room and shit so uh it's like i said it's a discipline but it's a different there's i mean i i mean the other two days a week i do backs and sleeves and then two days a week i do walk-ins you know like almost religiously like for the past i don't know how many years it's friday and saturday walk-ins you know you can come in and get like a little tattoo um that's cool but uh i don't i don't i mean i don't i'm, I'm not hating on how everybody else runs their business but like i'm not concerned with anyone else and how they do things but uh i feel like it's important to be able to like do little stuff so that you can appreciate doing like the big shit you know or having to like and like a lot of the little stuff you have to think but you don't have to think too much mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of cool to like kind of relax a little bit and just have some fun bullshit with people make them laugh yeah. tell stories yeah, that was the funnest time yeah that you was a, you know, right like, man. it's not, like, real, real serious. You know, it's, like, you, you. it goes back to that, like, the, like, tattoo shop. Like, you know, like, you go mm -hmm. to a tattoo shop. It's, like, a little, it's, like, going to a coffee shop almost. You know, it's not that serious. 
you know, like you don't have to make an appointment to go have a cup of coffee. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you just go and chill and get tattooed, you know. So I don't know. That's how I roll. But I'm going to try to get out there this year. Uh, it's a hike, though. I got I to gotta go all the way across Pennsylvania. I have to drive. I don't think it's like I don't I don't think it's close enough for me to fly. Like, you know, like it, it, it wouldn't make sense to fly. How far are you from me? Five hours, yeah. six hours six hours so yeah it would be seven and a half yeah it's not it's not a terrible drive but it's like it's a hike I'd have to go out in Akron? yeah it's a shit drive yeah seven and a half like my cutoff's like five i do richmond i drive from pittsburgh to richmond it takes me like five and a half depending on traffic six hours yeah that was richmond's the same i can make it five that'll work you make them five yeah if it's any more than six, I'm flying, man. Fuck driving. I don't like road tripping either. I don't like flying, but I don't like road tripping. So five is perfect. Yeah. I've been to high, but I mean, for, you know, all the shit that you got to bring, if you're at a tattoo convention, yeah. you need to sell, you know, yeah. it's like it's a little much, you know. I think the last time I flew, flown was Phoenix when I did Hell City years ago. And that was a pain in the ass. All my inks exploded. They ripped uh, all machines apart going through TSA. Yeah. Some stuff confiscated by my partner at TSA. Oh, that man. Sucks. The last, time, last time I flew to go tattoo, I, I went out to Tulsa and tattooed at Richard Stell's place. <laughs> that was crazy as hell. <laughs> when he, you know, obviously when he was still around. but uh, And the time before that, I went to New Zealand. And that was fucking nuts. Yeah, uh, long ass flight. That is a long ass flight, and I brought my family mm. too, so I had a four year old with me. LAX with a four year old. I'm not even gonna say like you know like not even like like New Zealand. Huh? LAX was a fucking. He said, he said no fucking way. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm a fucking nightmare as it is. I'm worse than the four year old man. Damn. Yeah. No, but she just chilled, dude. She was like, she just chilled. Like, <laughs> like she was on the shoot. It was her first. I think it was like, I'm not sure if it was her first uh, time on a plane. It may have been her first time on a plane to like California, and then from California to to New Zealand. It was a long yeah. ass time. But I wanted to go fucking New Zealand. I went out there. I was like sponsoring some tattoo convention. I was doing a, t- a tattoo machine seminar. You know. And I went out there. I brought all these fucking machines. Holy shit, dude. You want to talk about TSA? Uh, so customs in uh, in New Zealand, I brought like 40 machines with me. And they were like, oh, what are these? And I was like, oh, they're tattoo machines. Uh, they're gifts for my friend. Like, because my buddy Steve uh, owns a tattoo shop out there called Jolly Octopus. And he was running the convention. And I was just like, oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're 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 gifts i kept saying gifts for steve oh and steve's gonna give them away to his friends oh so steve knows 40 people that that tattoo and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guy sat there for a sec and he was like oh okay you can go and i was like holy shit i can't believe i just snuck all these fucking tattoos. <laughs> that <laughs> That's I, don't know I brought i mean i brought a lot because i had a seminar so they were all like you know the way i ran my seminar was uh, I assembled all these tattoo machines and then you have to unassemble them and then reassemble them, 
you know so it's like it's it's like the same way i was taught it was like you know you have a tattoo machine you take it apart you put it back together it has to work the same way so that's kind of how i taught the seminar i haven't done the seminar probably since those years and uh it's a lot for me to do so i'm probably you're probably never going to see one from me for like a long time if any but yeah new zealand man you know you have, uh, you have seminars at river city you have seminars, do you have some seminars at river city yeah i don't do one um we have rich helton that does one from blood money you know yeah, rich. yeah and rich yeah he comes in um adam from junk works with them i'm too busy you know putting out fires all weekend to sit yeah, down yeah. so yeah, yeah, it's about supporting the community so i'd rather everybody else come in and teach and you know spread their word have their exposure and represent themselves and me trying to hog the limelight that's not what it's about what other uh what other like topics are, are the seminars covering at the at that show like uh so renee little did a painting seminar last year and um like how to keep i forget how it's specifically worded but it was a way to keep your studio like on the green side of things like proper disposal techniques and different you mean, like tubes yeah, for tubes and plastic. From like, tubes, that's how you keep everything green. Thoughts. Um, I did not attend the seminar, so I, d I don't know. And then Gabe from Tattoo Now, Reinventing the Tattoo, does a few business-minded seminars. Oh, that's cool. Um, I'm talking to two people now about doing other things, like a cover-up seminar and another business-slash- three-day tattoo project like how to do a three-day like a lot of these younger kids now are doing um they go to conventions and they'll do like a full leg sleeve in fucking three days so there's yeah. techniques on how to limit trauma and how to comfort your people you know your mindset like a whole zen i guess behind it wow but why you want to do one uh, i've that done one. i've done them before uh i don't I haven't tried because I haven't lately because I haven't really been interested and haven't gone. Um, I'd be open to something, you know. I've done I've done like a, a few build it your own, like where you price of admission covers you, you leave with a machine that you built. That's that's a lot of work, uh, and it's a lot to try to crunch it into that time. We're always going over, always going over, you know, um, yeah. time. So, but and then I feel like just a just a talking and isn't really that interesting. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Rich was actually talking about doing maybe a group one, like a like a like a group seminar. Yeah, he know, had mentioned that to me. Well. No, I'll see if I can mind if I can get him in here. I'll see if he could jump in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, um, I think he was watching. Some people were uh, commenting in the uh, in the chat room. I think Rich was in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll send him. I'll send him a link right right now. Let's Are you look. doing uh, the Machine Olympics again, or? Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, talk about that. I got to go get some water. I'll be right back. But hold oh, on. Yeah. Are you just, yeah, talk about that. <laughs> Where'd you go? Got <laughs> to get some water. Hey, you tell us the story, Greg. I got to do something real quick. Uh, let's see. New, New Zealand. Zealand. A story. Give me a topic. New Zealand. New Zealand was fucking awesome. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. All the food tasted great because it didn't taste like poison. Uh, <laughs> you know, the eggs were fresh. They tasted salty and good. Butter was amazing. Milk was amazing. Um, I didn't eat any fast food there, uh, but 
everything I everything you eat just like it's awesome because it just doesn't taste like poison like here. <laughs> like you can tell the difference. Like you get like a, you get a steak here and it's like you know the size of a fucking doormat. You get the same steak over there and it's like normal size and it's just like there's no bullshit in it. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a story. America. You know, I don't know. I thought I thought it was pretty. I thought New Zealand's pretty cool. Hard to get over there. I made a lot of really good friends. I had a friend that came here that I met there. His name was Hiram, and fucking this kid rips at tattooing, and he's like, "Oh, I want to come to America." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, anytime." Like, you know, like yeah, whatever. And the homie called me like a month later, and he was like, "Yo, I want to come." uh i'll be out there for like a week and i was like yeah cool you can stay with me you can work at the shop whatever no big deal and uh he calls me back and he's like oh i think i miscalculated how long i was going to be out there i'm going to be out there for like 29 days and i was like "Eh, okay (laughs) like you know what i mean i'm sleeping at your house yeah i had like a you know so i had you know I'm, i'm like trying to get comfortable with having a house guest for a month um but he came out and like that dude's like my brother now he's like you know super super great guy uh him and his uh his family they own a tattoo studio in the in the north uh island and uh his sister does like pretty i I don't know about strict traditional maori tattooing um but uh it's like their family tattooing is like more uh polynesian maori based and man if i could post the link to i could show you this dude he was like a kid when i met him but you know a couple years after i met him he sent me pictures about when he got his he got his ass done he got his like belly done the his you know all the way down to his knees he just basically got like board shorts of like maori design the traditional way like hammered in and stuff and they're like washing them off with a hose it took three days to do it and it looked he said he was like hallucinating by like the last day wow and I was like, you were a kid when I met you, but you're a fucking man now. Like, it's like more tattooing than I would ever get in my whole life in packing three days. So, anyway, that's my story about New Zealand. And big up to Hiram. That's my dog. I love you, brother. Yeah, I'll catch uh, his link off you later. Let's get back to uh, grilling the man. Yep. So, Beach, you yeah. want to tell us the story behind these guys? Um. Yeah, so... Come from the graffiti days, I've, I've always loved just uh, street art, public art, <clears throat> stencils, paste-ups, whatever. <clears throat> but I've always been more attracted to objects than illustration. So, again, that kind of goes back into me making things all the time. Um, so sculpting has always been really interesting to me. I have not done a ton of it before, but it's always been interesting. I played with, like, ceramics and, again, the metalsmithing, and, and, you know, and I have done some clay work. Um, so the vinyl toy thing was really, really interesting for a while. I never really got into it because it just, it takes too fucking long to paint one of those things, to be honest with you, you know, um, <clears throat> not like you can do much with it when it's done. Like I, again, that whole interactive thing to it. So <clears throat> I don't know, I was doing, uh, when I first started making machines, I was carving the wax and making the rubber mold and shooting the wax and having them investment cast. So I was already kind of geared that way. Um, a few years ago, I tried to do some art nights and my friend Paige from Atlanta, what's up Paige, told me about this free art Friday thing where uh, so a friend of hers put her onto it where these artists just make shit and they go put it out. 
snap it on the gram and, and away you go. I fell in love with it. I thought it was awesome. So I started doing like little engraved, like laser engraved heads and shit like that. And it gradually built up to me making these little sculpts, casting them, making magnets, and then going and putting them up around town for Free Art Friday. Uh, and that's been, that's been going for a few years now. So but you made these and you, you put them all through Grand Rapids. And when people discover them, they could just pocket them if they want or they just yeah they just take them yeah the whole the whole point is to is to go and get them you know and it's free art you know it's for you to take um i still see there's a couple that i put around town that people haven't found they haven't seen them and i can i drive by them and i still see them and that makes me you know because i you know there was a um there was this dude at gregos in paris that i saw that was doing these plaster casts of his face and they weren't to take down like they're permanently affixed and it was I got a lot of inspiration from that dude. Um, but so, yeah, I, I like the idea of plastering certain ones that are meant to stay and then, you know, pub publishing the ones that people can go find and keep. Are you familiar with uh, the elder uh, graffiti artist Reds mm -hmm. uh, from back in the day? Remember, I don't know if you remember this, but in, if you if you walked around Dumbo in Brooklyn, um, there was like, I guess he would like braise these metal sculptures of like graffiti pieces, like to fences and shit. That's bad. Like, yeah. It's like, you could walk around that area. It's like really industrial. It used to be really industrial. It's probably all gentrified now, but uh, back then it was like, just like a hellscape of like warehouses and detritus everywhere. And then there's like, you know, that guy, I guess he would just roll up and like, just weld shit to fences and weld it to anything like, you know, like stuff. Cause he was like, I guess he was a welder and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it was like that neighborhood Dumbo was like you like every other block there was something cool, you know, like a metal graffiti piece, like so fucking sick, you know. Yeah. I'm when the 3D stuff started coming out. Um, I said a lot of guys were doing like like foam sculpts of the 3D stuff and, and affixing them places. And you know, that again with the, the paste ups and the stencils and stuff, it's just taking just the spray painted name so much further, you know, yeah. in, in different directions and it's really interesting and and fun you know again the, the engaging part for me is was really cool you know like i love the idea about getting out and writing your name on shit which i don't do anymore but uh right. <clears throat> interaction there and in the, in the social media aspect you know so usually i have people just follow me like every friday they check the stories and they check and then they go and get them i got this my one buddy greg who goes out all the time he's probably got four or five of them that he's found already and uh so it's starting to build a little bit of a you know of a following of people that are going out and finding these things and it's just super That's rewarding awesome. you know? yeah you can't yeah. beat it you just mentioned uh you mentioned a little bit ago about uh doing um uh doing the lost wax and like making you, you yeah. use like injection molding to make your your waxes and stuff or um, not an injection molding. It's, it's like a, it's a wax injector. Yeah. And that's a, another jewelry process too, you know, like, uh, it's a, it's a wax pot and you, and you, it's under pressure and you squirt the Use wax into there. And yeah. Yeah. So it's similar it's basically to the same. Yeah. Um, can you tell us how, uh, how, how you came to know these processes? Like what was your influence for that? And the Rio um, Grande catalog, <laughs> literally like thumbing through the Rio Grande catalog and looking at stuff. And then there would be, I mean, this is way before, 
YouTube maybe, at least before I had access to it, you know, like really early on in the internet. So it wasn't like I could just Google search. Certainly Google wasn't around, um, you know, how to, how to do casting, right? So you catch a PBS special or something and, uh, and books, lots of books. Um, the complete metal Smith from Tim McCrete was probably the, the wealth of knowledge, but it, you know, just touching the tip of each one of these little things. And then, you know, there's a bunch of books right here. Those are all metal Smith books, um, on various techniques, you know, hydraulic press forming and casting and, um, patentizing bonds recipes like it's all fucking right there um so books yeah uh and tr but you know saving up for equipment and fucking trying it out yeah but like what what pointed you in that direction you know because like up until Question. up until like when workhorse kind of started like you i mean I didn't, you, you, I really, I mean, I wasn't really aware. I know that like maybe like spider web had done like, um, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, I have one, you yeah. know, he may, he may have done like some, uh, like, a uh, lost wax or, yeah. uh, you know, or what, what's the other problem? Investment uh, cast? Investment. But you didn't see a lot of that until like you saw your stuff and Aaron Kane stuff. Aaron um, Carver. Well, I mean, yeah, he was doing that too. But yeah, I was gonna say most of his shit's one-offs. But yeah, no, he was he was doing the rubber molds too. Um, you know what it was when I was a kid, um, where them skull beads came from too, man. I was like into like like crafts and shit, you know. And there was like bead shops, and I like necklaces, and so I'd make these little necklaces, and that's where I found them the mala beads, you know, and shit like that. Um, and I had a, a a good friend of mine who did really like museum quality African jewelry like she was amazing and she educated me a lot of materials and stuff and one of those was amber and I got super into amber and like trying to figure out how to carve it which is a real motherfucker I don't recommend it but um I went down that rabbit hole and then you know the amber is always wrapped in um silver and stuff and so I started finding out about deeper and deeper into the jewelry world going from necklaces to fucking investment casting you know Awesome. And then just applying that to whatever else I was doing. I was making, I remember I made this like Egyptian scarab pendant thing and, you know, whatever. But then when I got into the tattooing, then everything just shifted and everything I made with all that was pointed at tattoo world stuff, you know, so, and influenced by tattoo world stuff. So did you have, did you have your own little foundry set up or did you have it sent out or something? We had, um, the first, the first time I worked at that street shop I was talking about earlier, uh, Mo's Eisley's, and I talked those guys into, into going in on that wax pot for me. So I was first shooting waxes in the back of the shop in my station. Um, awesome. Then I eventually like started awesome. putting shit in the, in the basement, you know, and taking over the house. But, but that's where it started on a fucking folding chair with an airbrush compressor and this wax pot. And I was going in fucking shooting, shooting waxes, trying to make walls. It was, Amazing. But we didn't have a foundry. So we like <laughs> if there's anybody that loves that, I don't know. I don't know if anybody would love that more than me. That's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> I spot my basement collecting dust. Yeah. Yeah. See, shit's fun, man. I spot like I opened it up, check it, and got hot wax in my eye, fucking sealed it. Oh man. Yeah. So I bought that um what's it was a little handheld book. It was on eBay in the early 2000s, how to build a uh how to build your own furnace or, yeah. oh, like to, to melt to, to melt like aluminum like 20 page little the half yeah by 11 folded in half book we talked about this i'm pretty sure i have the same book but i never 
I got five a gallon. I bought a crucible and that was it. Five gallon. <laughs> well, I made my crucible too. I, it was a five gallon bucket with uh, fire brick. Um, what's the concrete like? The fire concrete, refractory concrete. Exactly. Cement. Yeah, and then it's a bunch of pipe fittings put together and it hooks up to a shop vac in a propane. Yeah, I was just like, wow, it works, dude. I still have it. It's in my basement. I said, wow. I haven't made a forge, but I was really tempted to a couple years ago uh, when everybody's getting into the knife thing. I, I started to go down that rabbit hole, but pulled myself back out and refocused. So I have not yeah. made a knife. I will not make a knife, but I learned some cool techniques for them handles and shit. Oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, I see that on your your the saws you make. Awesome. Yeah. That, yeah, that, so that's the other thing, you know, like getting into all the metal smithing and stuff, which led me to their tools. Um, and then building tattoo machines, I thought, well, shit, I could make metal smith tools. The, the saw frame was just a no-brainer because I hated the one I had. Uh, yeah. And my my idea is pretty simple, so it was easy to to, to make, and, and that kind of took off. So, yeah, I do that on the side. It's the Green Lion saw frame. It's for jewelers and metal smiths and... It's yeah. a beautiful tool. Thank you. It, it is. Yeah, I mean, the way it's done, it looks like it's artsy. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I, I'm an artist that makes tools for other artists, right? Yeah. 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 Art so can, again, he's creating art to create art with. That's right. It's fucking and beautiful, sir. Yeah, it's a beautiful, sir. It is. Good. Encouraging others to create also, you know, and sharing information. It goes back to that, you know, and, you know, equipping people with information and tools. It's it's rewarding, you know. So let so, me ask you this. Do you saw cut your um, your machines, devices with your own saw? Hell no. <laughs> Had to ask. All right, I, thought, I thought UPS was there. Um, I have. Okay, like art with the art that you created while creating art with the art that you created. <laughs> I have, but I don't make a fucking habit of it, man. Like, yeah, now I design them with that cut already in there. Yeah, I don't, a lot of, I don't do a lot of hand fabricating with tattoo machine stuff anymore, unless I'm like prototyping something. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, like I did just make a fucking A bar like two weeks ago and I was like, God damn, I haven't done this in a long ass time. Like I have. 30 different sizes of A bars and drawers labeled, you know, like, yeah. but you yeah, would probably, probably be afraid of my workshop because everything is just raw dog. <laughs> Man, I was at my homie Shipwreck, Shipwreck Irons. What's up? Um, I, I did a build day with him, and his garage is like that too, man. That's he calls it the caveman, caveman building, and he's right. But it was yeah. fun, you know. There's challenges that come with not having that shit. You know, that's why you get all the new fancy shit so you don't have to deal with those challenges but there's something romantic about what comes out when you have those limitations when you have those challenges when you have that busted ass fucking machine that you know you got to hold this side down while you're feeding <laughs> over here or it's gonna fucking fall you know like yeah, yeah. i have one of those <laughs> let me tell you all about the fun challenges <laughs> i can laugh because i'm talking about, enough about painting from. yourself into a corner <laughs> Jeez. I, I think but, I've like this. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
I just went back to a hacksaw and a drill press and a file. I don't know why. I just love to torture myself, man. man. Although I, I do work with CNC shops. There's just, I don't know. Like you see my builds, but they're just like yeah. stuff. There's it's just whatever. There's a shoestring on it. Like it's whatever. It's the desired end result, man. What do you, what do you want to do with it? You know what I mean? Like I don't want to make 50 of those and sell them at, you know, yeah. you know that, that price point, you know? So well, I, I like a little bit of both. I like the production machines because not everybody wants to spend for a custom one-off, you know, but right. they still want something nice. So it's a it's a nice game to play, you know, to get to to get to build the fancy stuff once in a while. If I had to just do that all the time, like that would get really old too, you know. It'd yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's I can. Of, I, yeah. I, I mean, I could assemble twenty-five machines in a day, but I can only build one that yeah. way if a day yeah. sometimes it'll take two days but then that's the sure. one that i'm just like i will never sell this or here just take it you can have it like yes. oh yeah yeah it's like it's like, with builds you build stuff uh with oh like some you might build something with somebody in mind that you might give it to it's almost like i'd rather sell that. them I do that yeah or i'd rather sell them to the right people or give them to my friends you know but i don't need to sell them to everybody you know, no, not every single one of them, because you know you're enjoying what you're doing, and it's, right. yeah. it doesn't boil down to money. But you know, yeah. we still got to buy more fucking drill bits and shit. So yeah, it's nice to give back. It's definitely nice to give back. It's just uh, good to share. It's just fun to share. You know, it's like it's fun to fucking hook somebody up and, and see how stoked they are. You know. Yeah. So, to that point. Um, Greg, when I when I reached out to Soba, uh, Richard works for me, Cosgrove. He loves Soba, loves his machines. He, he met you in Atlanta and hung out with you years ago. It was like mid 2000s. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. He worked with Crash. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, I was, I was with Crash at that show. So Rich goes, man, see, see if he could build me a machine. And I reached out and lo and behold, he's like, I don't have any. So was like, I don't have any frames. And then the next day he's like, oh, wait, I have three here. You want one of these? And then like two days later, it was in my mailbox at the house. That's how I go, man. And I, and I gave it to Rich and he just looked at me like he just had a newborn baby. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, I said, oh, you better fucking call him or reach out to him and thank him, man. I think he did. Hopefully. If not, I'll yell at him again. So uh, the first tattoo machine that I built from a kit was uh, a Soba Pilot. Was it really? Yes. And I have it right here. What happened to it? it? Yeah, what did you do to it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> period. Period. Correct. Shredding. <laughs> Look at that. That was the first that was the first kit you ever built. Yeah, this is so like I must have built this and it and ran it for a long time. And then uh probably just chopped it up and you know shredded it with a Dremel, got all that fucking nice, you know, metal yeah. splinters in my eyeball. <laughs> um, that stuff carves really nice though. It's nice and powdery, you know. As a you know, but like that was like the that was what 2003, so um, that was that long ago, and 
and, and I, it, sometimes you have to take a moment and think like, you know, when I was sitting in my kitchen, like putting this machine together, like never in a million gajillion years would I be thinking that like I'd be having this discussion with you, you know, like you were yeah. such, a, such a heavy influence over the years. Um, not that only that long ago, you know, that's what, what crazy thing that you said that is because um, the pilot came out in 2003 that we uh, we started workhorse in March of 2003 at the okay. Lower City show. So this coming March is the 20 year anniversary of the pilot. 20 fucking years, that machine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think I may have gotten a kit probably late, like maybe November of that year in 2003 if not 2003 it was definitely 2004 but uh pretty quick after yeah yeah we started doing kits yeah. first. we did the pilot and the classic kits first and yeah yeah a, i remember i remember it saying like skills skills not not skills not included and that's the thing that like you know like when when i when i read that i was just like fuck these guys yeah, you know, it was like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to build this anyway. You know, like, it was just like, it was such well, a. That's true, though, man, because it, it goes back to that. that absolutely. Thing. Don't want to work. Yeah. They're like, I want to save $100, but I still want the same product. It's like, no, motherfucker. Like, if you're going to buy it in pieces, then you're going to get what you built in pieces. And that's the difference. <laughs> like, don't, because like, they would just fucking call, like, how do I do this? Like, no, no, no. This, that's not what the kit pricing is, is for me to walk you through how to do it. Yeah. you know yeah yeah oh. so. yeah when i got it i uh i soldered everything together i assembled it you know put everything together and stuff and then i went to put the clipboard on and it didn't work and i was just like what the fuck is going on here and here i guess i figured out that there's enamel on the wire and that was like the first machine i built and that was the first lesson i i learned it was like, that's, that's, it's almost always that like when people are like it's just dead it just doesn't work i'm like did you scrape the fucking coil wire and they're like what <laughs> like, there you go and then yeah. i'm like are the wires backwards you know like yeah, yeah. i called national once i'm like eh, i did everything <laughs> like did you scrape the wire? i can't get it to solder did you scrape yeah. it oh, you gotta scrape it yeah. And that's how you fucking learn and now you never forget to do that right, right. Oh, yeah. there's never there's was never once when i forgot that again after that you know it was crazy right. exactly. but i love this frame it's like that long frame geometry you know super long ass a bar yeah uh, i guess i have it set up like a shader even though it's not, <laughs> it, it has the fucking shader hole right there, dude. You can move yeah. it. <laughs> hey man, twenty years ago, how long you been building fucking machines? That's awesome. I'm fucking glad that you have that. That's great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yo, Icon Icon Springs. Cheers. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Kind of crazy. He just called you out on the shader hole, son. Call myself out. Who cares? I love it. Yeah, man, I fucking took a. I was so proud of this brass machine I first built, and I and and I took it to to the show to show Lyle Tuttle and fucking, you know, I didn't have a yoke on it. I didn't know what a yoke was, and I, I don't know why it's getting hot, you know. And but I was yeah. so, proud of it, you know, it was a fucking bonehead move that I overlooked, and so now, I, now I'll never forget that part either. You know, so. So, right. What's your favorite material to work with as far as frame construction? Oh, I love that ductile iron a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's yeah, man. 
That's it just sounds so thing. good. It's got that fucking dead hit to it, you know, and it's yeah. it's soft enough to to you can sand it down, you know, and, and you can do a lot to it. Uh, and it just yeah, it works so good. Yeah, that sandcast yeah. Dr. Iron is my favorite, you know. I I built pretty so I casted for years and years and years, and the foundry shut down. They stole my boards, they're gone. Oh shit. Uh, so I just have I have a few blanks left and uh. I'll break them out and I'll mill them. But I will tell you, man, that to me, yeah, it was my favorite. That is definitely my favorite. I build those 1018 like laser cut side plate ones. And they they just to me, they're 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 great, but they're not. They don't have like the ah, you know, not that same density to it or something. I don't know. The sound is different. The yeah, the the hit is a vibration. Little bit. Yeah, the dampening. Yeah. I agree. That's why I always hate aluminum. But now there's workarounds for it and, and it's fine. But yeah, it, didn't, it took me a long time to get used to aluminum for sure. Brass is nice, a little heavy. Yeah. You know, but again, it was just, it was what we could work with back, you know, back then it was accessible. I still have the original Rusto pattern in the garage right now. Yeah. It was made out of, a, I made the master out of acrylic, like yeah. laminating acrylic together and sanding that all down for the, for the pattern master for the sand cast. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? That's yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. You got to carve all the draft into it and everything it was, it was single-sided. It was way before we did double-sided patterns. That was real advanced. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So it was like, so, wow, that's awesome. So like you, you, you had to, uh, so it was like one pattern or like you made a board out of acrylic? Board and with 10, yeah, it's, a, it's called a 10 on or eight on whatever, you know, and I think the rust was yeah. a 10. Yeah. Had wow. five frames down each side, you know, and the gating down the middle. And the gate and the, the gate and the spruce. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Well, we had a couple, we had a few really good foundries in town for, for, decades you know in west michigan and uh there was a lot of resources for that honestly like wow yeah i'm not near the first, the first sand cast brass frames we got us because a lady came in to get tattooed and you know you're always like oh what do you do and she's like oh i work at keeler brass and we were like you know hitting up every customer who had anything remotely to do with that like oh shit can you make this like <laughs> that's really cool yeah, yeah i tattooed cool. a kid Foundry, it, it shut it, down. He used to trade me for blanks, so he would yeah. run off like two, three hundred blanks and be like, "Just had to me for a couple hours." Oh <laughs> yeah, man! Please <laughs> keep them coming. I had buckets of these frames. Oh, nice. So, would that would would you say that experience when you first figured out like people uh, were working at different foundries or something like in your area was that? Was that kind of like the nucleus of like how Workhorse started? Like when everybody pulled their resources sort of? Like no, was that a No, but that was a huge contribution of mine to the idea. So Workhorse was not my idea. It was Seth's idea. He called me first and he said, here's my <laughs> idea. This is what we're going to do. And I was like, fuck yeah, count me in. Here's what I can do. Uh, and he was like, fuck yeah, let's do that. And then off we went. So um the idea was there and then the resources got pooled from, you know, I mean, like Aaron had the fucking hex binder hookup, if I recall, and I had the foundries here and uh, the machinist was here. And um, yeah, I mean, so, so she, different, different parts came from, from different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. 
But that's it, why I got to be here, though, is because those resource, resources were here close to me, and I was able to actually drive to the foundry to pick up big-ass fucking, you know, yeah. castings, you know? So, yeah, that 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 helps with, uh, I guess, the longevity of it, you know, the consistency yeah. of it. Yeah. That's that was a big issue on my end was the consistency. Always, always. You know, it's foundry, foundry was shut down. They'd shift your board to the next foundry. You have orders packed, piling up, and then lead times with machine shops when you're doing productions. Oh, my fucking, my foundry fired me. Nuts. My foundry fired me. I was bringing them. It got to the point to where I had, we were like, new model, new model, new model. So I was like getting boards, 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 and they were like, yeah, 15 fucking patterns on, uh, and we, you know, they do like big ass shit and I'm asking them to do these little things. And they were like, you're just, yeah. so then that's when we really started shifting over to more CNC based stuff. We had tried it, but it was not really accessible for the price point at that, you know, when we were first coming into it. So um, we were kind of forced to shift because we were losing the foundry resource. We had to get right. and split it up. And, yeah. That sucked. So you said price point shift from CNC to casting and machining. You, you didn't see any like balance correlation there. Like, did it was a price point higher to CNC or less? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Machining okay. out of a block was way fucking more. I mean, like, I know it was. I don't. Maybe it was the machinist that I had. Like, like trying to machine a casting, as you know, is a pain in the ass. You know, figuring out how to hold it and keep it square, and then trying to get it consistent from casting to casting is—it's a motherfucker. You got to find a, you know, a common, which is not even there. So, um, luckily, that wasn't my fucking problem. <laughs> I wasn't actually cutting the frames. So, the cost of the casting and then the cost of the of the manual machining, like literally all those first workhorse frames, one guy did on a bridge port man yeah. Yeah. yeah he had power yeah. that's it you know like that's it so it worked <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean and his prices weren't weren't terrible but when we shifted to cnc like it was like the programming was crazy the tooling was crazy we never had those high upfront costs before um yeah, yeah it was wild it was, it was wild to make that jump for sure yeah, yeah now, I know. now it's way more exciting it's way cheaper now you know yeah I just um I haven't done a blank in a long time and I, I I jigged one up and did one the other day. It took me about two and a half hours. To mill a to mill a blank. Just to mill and drill, not to finish. Just to mill and drill. Get it where it's gotta be. And my back hurt because I don't have power feet. I'm that guy. And I have a mini machine. <laughs> I'm that guy. Yo, hey man, just make an arbor. Get yourself a little electric drill. Yes. <laughs> You see my milling machine. You should see my poor man's power feed. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, schematic. <laughs> ah, dude. If you got a lathe, make an arbor. Yeah. You know? I bet you about these kids not being patient, but I'm the least fucking patient person, man. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'm very patient. I just know that, like, I mean, I'm super interested in the process of making everything. So, uh, win or lose you know sometimes you learn sometimes you 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 just go through and do whatever you're doing like you make coil cores you make them they might be great you might have missed something this time and then you're going to learn you know so like or you might learn some learn a way to make them better who knows but i mean i can sit at a lathe 
and and make like 20 coil cores top to bottom start to finish it'll take me about three four hours but no. you know <laughs> that'd be fun for a that'd be fun for a time last, you know but not like every last, week like i gotta go make corn but this is the thing the, the thing that i hate the most is lead times this is why i started doing everything myself and you mentioned other like, people's lead times yes yeah. yes i don't mind if it's me like i'll make i'll go out in the shed and i'll just go out in the shed and make the shit and it's not a problem but I um, fucking hate that too. I want my shit right now. I want it, you know, like, like, oh, I'm excited. I gotta have this shit, you know, like, like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, it's three weeks behind. Fuck. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't handle it. Cause like, I would get like all, I would get like super anxious when like, oh no, we don't have any coil cores. What do you mean you don't have any coil cores? Like, what do you mean? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna be out of fucking business. And then the shit starts rolling around in your head. And I'm like, I got to be more self-sufficient. I got to be more self-sufficient. Yeah. Like when I, when I started and that's when I started like really like, well, fuck this. Like I got to learn how to, I've had this lathe for a million years. I got to learn how to use it. You know, that's when you hire two machine shops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even then it wasn't even machine shops. Uh, this is before that I was, you know, I would get stuff from uh, Smitty, you know, you know, and then like when he didn't have anything, that's when, that's when I started using e-machine shop and getting stuff uh and drawing stuff and i would get i would get cool i would get cool course uh outsourced uh, i think it was uh i don't know what it was a place in millville not too far from here and i got some coil cores and i got binding posts done there and they were really really nice but they fucking ran out and i'm pretty sure that machine shop's closed now so you know you know i don't need a thousand i don't need a thousand cores i just need 20 See, that's the, that's the problem, you know, is that they don't want to run 20. They want to run, you know, they 20, want to run a thousand. Yeah. So like I'll, I'll, run, yeah. I'll run the manly manually myself, you know, um, and there's like a million tricks in there to make your life easier, you know, you know, to like, and especially like, you know, I think this year, I think this might be like maybe like eight years that I've been doing handmade stuff, nine years, maybe. Um, so I got it. I got, I got that process dialed. You know, but there was a lot of years when I did not have that process dialed. It was very, very difficult for me. But uh, I pressed on and here we are. And like and like I always say, I always reserve I'll, I reserve the right to like go back to, you know, using CNC, you know, but this is just where it's working for me right now. You know, I think it's I think it's still yeah, fast. Again, it depends on the desired end result. You know, you know, you want to you want to experience that process more than you try to move units, you know, and you have to yeah. balance yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like I'm not trying to move units. I'm just trying to make machines. You know, I yeah. like it. Like I spend a lot of time, a lot of time selling them. You know, I think that's the problem. And the other thing too is like you know what we touched on earlier is like you know I don't do anything else. Like you know like the, those sacrifices is like that's why I'm in the shed. You know I'm not I'm not I'm not playing in a band or anything like that. I'm like you know making coil cores <laughs> and that's why. You know so maybe I should start. You know getting somebody to make my stuff and you know, I'd maybe be able to have a little bit more of a life outside of tattooing. <laughs> a nice tinted shirt. I like that. Sorry. Classic. What's that? Oh, I just cut him off because I recognized your Tintin shirt and I thought oh, it was... yeah, yeah. that's okay. I was done talking. <laughs> no big deal. But anyway, who gives a shit about me? Uh uh we all so you were talking about how you just love my shirt better (laughs) but but everything went from doing casts to doing cnc um is do you think that's when like like when did when exactly did like workhorse really just fucking like become 
something of like a juggernaut because it's like I never like, felt that it was. I never experienced. Hey, there's that never stuff. been. There's never been another company uh, or a collective of tattoo machine builders that has like been able to top what Workhorse has done, as far as in my opinion, you know, like so, like when is when when was it just like insane, like you know, like this is just too crazy. It definitely did get crazy, uh, and we had to grow into it. Um, it was oh. Six or seven is when it really started to demand all of my attention. So I was tattooing, started doing the machines. The workhorse thing started. I gradually started putting more time into that. And, and it was, you know, like this, like I'd take a day away from tattooing and another day away from, and then, and it finally got to the point where I was like, I can't fucking tattoo. So I had moved it from, tattoo shop to the basement to a, a little rental space and then to a new tattoo shop and then it was in the back of the tattoo shop where it actually took most of that space then finally i had to move to a different facility where it was just that and we had to focus on just that right and that wow. was around seven or eight so did you have a lot of employees at that time eight. you guys were you guys up, all the bills what's that like everybody that was in the collective, were they building their own machines and submitting or like, how did that, talking about that or? No, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it was just a format that was set up. Um, it, I, there's so many beneficial aspects. It wasn't just a marketing thing, but it was a marketing thing. It wasn't just a profit thing, but it definitely was a profit thing. It was, um, and it was a collaborative thing and it was, a fucking genius idea, if I'm being honest. And, and again, I can't take credit for that. But um, what was the question? <laughs> was the original question? There was a collect you had a collective builder. Everybody yeah, did yeah. their own thing. Yeah, yeah. So everybody had their own models. And, like, and, and so they would send it in, and then all of the pre production would be done here. So all the frames would be cast and machined, right? All the coils would be wound. And then we'd send all that shit to the individual. They do the build, yeah. send it back, and then we ship it to the end user. The builder becomes the assembler. Well, yeah, the designer, you know, the yeah. fucking designer. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. their model. It's their thing. They fucking still set it up and tune it. They're putting strings on it. They're making it right. right. They're fucking tuning it, right? It's up to them, you know, and everything's to their specs, too. You know, we tried to use as much shit as we could to cut costs, yeah. like, Binding posts like like brass hex binders, boom, there you go. That's out of the equation now, etc. Um, and that was part of that price point model. A lot of people have tried to copy that model. It's not a big secret. It wasn't a secret then. It's not now. Um, I again, I think it goes back to that timing, man. We jumped in at that fucking sweet spot, and by the time we were already kind of had a foothold where we were, where we were, it started to get really, really flooded again, you know, yeah. for whatever reason, there wasn't a lot of other companies that could make that significant of a foothold that we did. Yeah, you're right. You know, cause there were so many, cause there was so much more of it, you know, and it was just, everybody was trying to do that now instead of buying, yeah. they were trying to make their own. I mean, like, what, what would be worse? Like, how flooded it was with tattoo machine builders then or how flooded it is with tattoo machine builders now? Depends. Like, Depends uh, I think, like, I mean, I definitely would love to see more people making coil machines. Um, 
personally, but uh, you see people making all sorts of crazy shit. But uh, I feel like it's like, you know, back then everybody was still kind of spitballing. Like no, nobody really knew what yep. to do. You yep. know, like wasn't like it wasn't as like exact as it is now. You know, you can call somebody up and get a bunch of parts and it's no big deal. And you're in the tattoo machine building business. You know, it's like not a big deal. But uh, as far as like designing your stuff and like, like what was the process of like, you know, you said everybody had their own geometry. Everybody had their own specifications, yeah. you know, like was everybody kind of fluent in like a universal language of math? Like, you know, did like, oh, every- yeah, dude, I was, I was the most ignorant one out of that bunch, man. That that starting lineup, those uh, every one of those motherfuckers knew what was up for sure. Right. For okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nobody like drawing something on a napkin saying, Oh, I want it this way. Oh no, there was absolutely napkin drawings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's how they did it. Yeah, yeah. If I if I could even <laughs> normally it was like, no, just move it a little bit, you know. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, we'll that shit right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They knew what, what needed to be done, but as far as communicating that, there was many napkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so the communication wasn't too bad because everybody knew. Like how machines work, liners work. And like you said, there's a lot of things that were taken out of the equation. Like, you know, like you get your machines, you know, finished in a, a CNC mill. So like, there's a lot of stuff that you don't have to worry about doing. Like, it's like, you, you guys had a look and your look was like very uniform. Like- yeah, Look actually was an accident. That's a fun fact. The, um, the trademark red oxide that is just- the same black oxide place I still use to this day. Um, and that alloy of ductile iron, whatever it is, like I take any other material to that black oxide, it's black as fuck. This, these ductile iron cast frames were red all the time. They could, I was like trying to make them black. Everything was good. Like Mickey Sharps were black. Everything else is black. Like we use gun blue to get them black, but this was a production process which was a huge pain in the ass. And so it, it just ended up being that red color. It ended up working out. It went really good with the brass and the fucking olive green. It was, you know, it, it ended up working, but. Earth tones. Just, yeah. 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 There's something in that process with the ductile and the annealing. Cause I had that same, I had that same issue. Like all my parts would come out black as fucking night, but my frames would come out looking like yours. And yeah. I'd be like, oh. I want them black, dude, because that was the machine days, but they would come out that color. We try to oil blacken them too, you know, like torching them and dunking them in oil and all that shit. I could never get that to work, not ever. Yeah. See, I could get get that working. You got to use dirty ass blown out motor oil and I could get that to work with processes. More more carbon, the better on that process, you know. Kevin Corder taught me that back in the early days when I started. Oh yeah, man. He, He was, he's from around here. Yeah, he was my man. Like yeah. I owe him a lot of credit. He was doing investment castings too. I, actually, he's the one that I learned about uh, what black oxiding even was. I was like, "How do you get tray bars black?" You know, and then he told me about the gum blue. You know? That's awesome. Out right at the very beginning, too, for sure. Yeah, dude, Kevin's the man. Love In fact, that. he was fucking. He was sitting next to us at that convention when we opened Workhorse. He was because they Detroit threw everybody in that back little fucking hallway. Like no supplies sold to the public. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. They weren't used to take me to that show. Who did? Mike Skyver. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he was always there. That's my man. 
I talked to that dude just about every day. He's taught me a lot about history and about machines and the way of the walk. I, that's that's awesome. a lot of credit. I mean, that's such a such a resource, you know, to be oh able to talk God. to somebody with that that stretch of experience is fuck tight. Yeah, yeah. we're running, running real short on supply of our elders now. A lot of yeah. these guys passing away. And uh, we have new ones. Skyver is absolutely irreplaceable. Like such a such a such a good guy, you know. He's the meanest fucking dude I ever met, but he's like awesome. If you sit down and talk with him about anything, he'll tell you about it. You know. I look forward to fucking hanging out at the Rubber City. He'll be there, yeah. Yeah, he'll be there. He just—I just talked to him the other day. He fell off a sixteen-foot ladder. He's putting up a metal roof over all his hot rods. Oh I'm like. God. And he's in his seventies. I'm like, what? He has more energy than my fucking six year old. I can't. I'm like, dude, I can't get out of bed in the morning. This guy's just ripping and running from the get. He's awesome. hit that deer antler once in a while with Skyver. <laughs> you want to go to fucking space? <laughs> don't drink, don't smoke. I'm good, man. So, BJ, what's in store for us in the future? Um, I don't know what time Gabe's cutting us off. Gabe, are you out there in Gabe land? Gabe's, had, Gabe's having another safety meeting by himself. Is he? The best okay. way to have him. <laughs> um, I'm with you all. No, I'm not going to cut you guys off uh, until noon. Oh, okay, okay. We got a half hour. All right, cool. And uh, uh, other safety meetings by myself or with anybody, anytime. Still good. Safety first. Cheers. Safety first. Done four. Uh, I'm working, I'm always working on some new shit. Always, you know, um, I finally, finally taught myself CAD a few years ago. I was, you know, cause I was sick of being the one delivering napkin drawings. Uh, so that's been super fun to, to get an idea and to play with it in actual shapes and geometries and to see digitally if it can work or not. And then to take that and fabricate it. So I've been, I've been playing a lot trying some things we'll see if I got something worthwhile, you know, like just something to mix it up a little bit. Um, well, yeah. There, uh, there was that one frame we were talking about that you made. Um, oh, the prefab or the back frame one, the prefab one. And it had that little notch in between. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's shit like that. And that thing was like, that's, that's the thing that started me doing those dovetail frames that I showed you. And I thought one thing I thought was like really crazy because we're sitting there talking about like, you know, working in like CAD programs and stuff. I always use this like really crummy program, but it got the job done and it was called eMachine Shop. And you were telling me that you had made, uh, what was it, a bent frame? Like bent frame. Like yeah, yeah. That was when we had first moved over to the to the new tattoo shop with Workhorse in the back. And um, the eMachine Shop was a browser-based free uh where you could design simple parts on it and i and they had little tutorials and shit and that was kind of my intro to it and yeah i designed that um so it could be laser cut and bent that arrow bent frame yeah and then that was like the only one i did like that i, I couldn't get the i couldn't get the spring shelf right so i left it alone but uh oh, yeah but that was that was neat yeah that i fucked those yeah. little machine brackets i made on that program too yeah those machine awesome. display brackets yeah yeah mm -hmm. i made I made four different um, frames that were bent and it was the spring shelf thing. Fucking spring shelf, man. You know, you just, it's 90 degrees, but it's not 90 degrees. Not 90. Like you got to, you got to, you had to, I had to 
I had to hit mine with a hammer a little bit. Always. I got them to work. work and stuff. That was 08. I'm pretty sure that's when, for me, that was like 08. But like, yeah, man, that like, that program, I still use that program to this day to design stuff. Is it still a thing? I guess. I mean, yeah, I still use it uh, because I'm so familiar with it. Like anything, even, even if I'm, like, even if I'm doing, like, I, I make all handmade stuff, but I design it all on eMachine Shop first, you yeah, know? So you have your fucking plan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I know exactly where to drop every end mill when I'm, like, cutting. <laughs> like, I just, like, I don't know, I just make, like, little, I just plot it out and stuff. But that's awesome that, like, you're, you, like you said, you don't want to be the napkin guy. So No, no, no. So, you know, trying, trying to control yeah. much of the process without actually running a mill, like, um, I don't know how to make a tool path. I don't, I don't ever want to know how to fucking run a mill. Like I might, that's not where my expertise is going to be best used. You know, like I'm in the design process and then, you know, in the building and, and the application process, but uh, certainly not that running the mill. So that's been a little bit difficult. Cause again, lead times, I got to find somebody to make the shit. If I can't hand fabricate, I, I hand fabricate a lot of my own prototype though. And that's fun. Especially now with the 3d printers, man, ah, oh, dude, the 3d printing is fucking cool. I, I really tried to not get into it as long as possible. Uh, and Eric Carlson's fault, uh, got me into it. And now I'm just like, that's all I want to do is like sculpt and print and cast and, yeah. That. But, but in regards to tattoo machines though like i can make all kinds of shit to, to really visualize it and put it together to make sure that it works the way i want it to before producing it in you know steel iron brass whatever uh, so that well, has a ton so it, it's allowed for like you know like the mechanism and the lovebird like i tried a bunch of different ways that didn't work before i was able to finally come up with that and that's because I'm able to use CAD and 3D print shit now, you know? Yeah. There's, like, something about, like, not succeeding that I don't like. I fucking hate it. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, so like, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever considered myself an overachiever. But, like, like ever. Like, yeah, but you don't want to get your ass kicked either, man, you know? Nah, I want to I wanna fucking win, dude. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, that's the whole, the whole thing. I think a lot of tattoo machine builders are the same way at least like like the for real like for real builders dude like you know you know whatever man like we all understand that like we're fucking crazy that's the number one thing and to like make us less crazy we have to win we have to like make make that part or make that thing or make it work and then it works and then we're just immediately on to the next thing that's going to just drive us nuts <laughs> like Absolutely. you know so Rich is uh, Rich is uh, joining us. Uh, I think he has to click click some buttons, maybe. Or uh... currently, there's no mic and the video's off. I just asked him to turn on uh, the video. Rich, if uh, you might need to, if it it could just be like getting set up. Otherwise, if you uh, leave the meeting and then come back, and when it asks you about sound, just click the other button. <laughs> but uh, so I'll, I'll work with him in the background to uh, to get that to work. Okay. Okay. It could just be like getting set up. Otherwise, if you uh, leave the meeting, hey, 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 hey. ask you about sound. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, How's it going? How are you? Good, good. Hello. Thanks for calling in. Wow. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. If you, could, absolutely. if you could turn your phone sideways, that'd be there I think that's come out too. There Long we go. Time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Not much, man. How's it going? Good. Good. Talking to these fools. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How do I get everybody on here? You got to click you, uh, the new thing. Oh, there we go. Oh, you're on your phone. Yeah, know. let me see if I... Yeah, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't have... If you uh, swipe to the left I'm, or to the I'm right, you'll see with the, the different versions. COVID. Are you really? Yeah, I got it a couple days ago. You know, First time? Shit, you know? First time? Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't too bad, but... All right, Fox. I think I'm... Where'd he go? Oh, there you are. Hey. All right. I think I'm good now. Sorry. <laughs> how do, how does Rich, how do Soba and Rich, how do you guys know each other? Like, how are you acquainted? Uh, I mean, forever. I've, I've always just looked at Soba as like, I, I've actually uh, called him it before, Michael Jordan. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I, I've followed him since I started tattooing in 2001 i met him in uh at the meeting of the mark in uh oh, 2001 and cool. got a, a rusto from him nice and i, I still remember that machine to this Shout day up. number 92 nice <laughs> fuck yeah so, that's awesome yeah, it was all black with the uh paint can the paint cans oh yeah oils. the cans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah that was the shit that machine yeah. that, that was like my favorite machine forever but yeah and then I know a lot of there's a few dudes in town that um, use his stuff like exclusively, um, and so I started following them a few years ago. And wow. then I know I, I don't go to a conventions very often, but I did hang out with you at I think it was Hell City a little. Yeah, bit. Hell City in Arizona. Yeah, was it Arizona? The Phoenix one? Yeah. When yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And they had the fight, the fight night. Yeah, and I think I was. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was. That was night night of the. Uh, McGregor, no. Was that McGregor? Uh, God damn it! No, it was fucking. Uh, I don't know the names. It was not. No, it was the. Uh, it wasn't the. It was the Mayweather fight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was there with Annie Frenzel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. She was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a dead ass show because of that fucking fight. But um, yeah, yeah. The dude in the and, booth next to us brought in a big ass flat screen and hung it on the back of their booth. And so during the fight, like the whole convention came right. Out, yeah, stood right yeah. in front of my booth to watch the fight, uh, and I still didn't sell anything. So <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a dead show for sales. I'll tell you show. that, but it was a it good was fun, fun huh? time though. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good time. See, that's why I'm, I'm excited to come to Rubber City too, man. Like that, just that you know. You don't have to just grind so hard all weekend. You can kind of kick it and, you know, take a right, seminar, right. Take your seminar. Yeah, yeah. Rubber, Rubber City, last year was such a great, great time. Uh, Tony and his wife, Elizabeth, put on an amazing show. I mean, their production quality is top of the line. Yeah. Attention to detail with their stuff is, is just great. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, we did. We definitely try to make it fun. Like, there's so many shows. It's the atmosphere just so fucking heavy, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, it's it's supposed to be fun. I think you know we're supposed to have a good time. 
and be you need it. You need it. I mean, we grind so hard. So hard. And that's what's missing, honestly. You know, like everybody's working, like, yeah, yeah, work, 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 grind, 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 but ain't shit fun no more. And that's not good. Yeah. Last time. The AC Atlantic City Tattoo Convention. Yeah. Uh, shout out to John Henderson. Uh, that Saturday, I tattooed 12 hours straight. Like, awesome. what am I fucking, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, tattooing, that's what you're there to do, you know. And oh, my God, man. You got to balance like, it out. I, I don't think I've tattooed 12 hours straight for many years, I'm but it was, it was crazy. I go to tattoo conventions to relax and learn and have fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I try not to work. I work so hard all week, dude. I don't want to, I like to go shake hands and say hi and eat good food and make people laugh. Spend too much on beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So BJ, we do a show. It's called Machines, Magnetism, and Mimosas on Sunday at the show. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it goes it pretty brilliant. <laughs> I don't drink, but I did. <laughs> I drank champagne, and my lips didn't work. Oh, so yeah. this whole power path kind of like this. <laughs> I no, yeah. to leave at one point. I'm like, I gotta go get it together here. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Love to get you in on that one. Hell yeah, yeah, no doubt for that. I like some mimosas. It's it's funny, man. I think it's on here somewhere. I've I'm too embarrassed to watch it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you there. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So you brought up that um, you and Helton might do some something at this. Yeah, show. he had mentioned something about like a like a like a group seminar kind of thing. I don't know what exactly. I, I mean, I, I was I haven't brainstormed too much about it, but I mean, my idea was that last year when I did the seminar. I mean, everybody knows when you do a seminar, it kind of consumes the day of the seminar for sure, yeah. and yeah. It, it's so much work on the builder that it almost makes it not fun. It makes it more of a, a job or a work, you know, and I was just thinking of something maybe taking, I don't know, maybe all the machine builders that come, everybody pick like a certain subject during the, the seminar and they handle that part and they're done. They, they go in, they do that part and they leave or, oh, that'd be cool. you know, there's something that, that they make it more, I don't know, less work, just more kind of. You know, for the teacher, for the teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, like me, I I have like a, a crazy obsession about spring cutting. And when I did my summer, I think I almost spent almost an hour on spring cutting. <laughs> you know, and then I, I look where we're at in time. I mean, Tony, what we run over like three hours. <laughs> and then oh, I, I just didn't want that to happen again. I, and yeah, no, it always go over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. they all go over. When I did mine, I, there were four hours, and then the with the questions afterwards it was another hour, easy. And then right. even after that, people were tailing you out on the floor and sitting at your booth for hours on end. Right, right. It's a whole thing, you know. It's definitely a whole thing. I mean, I, I just like the aspect of even like that part. Like at the end of the end of the um, seminar, if someone comes up to you and like say you handled, you just did uh, coil winding. You know, and someone can walk up to you and have a question strictly about coil winding. You guys talk for 15, 20 minutes about coil winding. 
and you know it's just less of a i don't know a task kind of you know and kind of you can you're able to enjoy it more and you're able to you know kind of you know feed off each other to create a little bit of knowledge for people that don't have any ideas about coil machines because i feel like that's one of the biggest problems we have is people are intimidated about coil machines mm -hmm. and there's going right to these pens i mean the pens are great i mean they have a they have a a purpose mm -hmm. but i i think i just i don't know i love coil machines and i i feel like being able to provide a little bit of education to people that are very intimidated by it i think is where the industry needs to kind of go yeah and, and i think that a lot of them are getting a lot more curious about it too uh you know because there is there's there's a, a huge part of this industry that came in never fucking touching a coil machine you know and right yeah. and some of them care some of them wonder some of them you know want to know about it it is a it is a huge part of fucking tattooing history um not all of it obviously but a fucking huge part of it and they do need to be like if if somebody's curious about it they need to have someone to ask about and right when you go for that you know right and, and it's very intimidating to a lot of these younger kids to to ask about coil machines because there's like a stigmatism that we we mm -hmm. don't share you know and I, I, where mean. i do feel that's good to a point but I feel like it's gonna it's backfiring over the years, you know. Yeah. One thing I say about pens is uh other uh you know they they might function well and do right. their job, but they're never gonna replace coil machines as far as their artistic quality. No. Like no. you know, all the work there's I mean it's not enough to like know exactly how a, a coil machine has to function to puncture the dermis to to inject pigment into it right you have to understand the basic functions of a liner and a shader to get it to work but the whole other aspect of it that i find you know fascinating and this is why i cannot stop making them is like making them fucking look cool you right. know yes. come finish different shapes you know there's a hundred one different ways to like make you know electricity happen throughout that you know basic doorbell like you know like binding post setups you know tube vice setups you know different geometries to get different speeds and different like you know different strokes and stuff like that but uh, uh no I, I can't really foresee it happening where there's like you know a really sick you know pen builder who no. makes a one-off pen i mean with uh, anything other than like a, a pen good ass idea though isn't it see i guess it's a good like idea I mean, but it's like who who's gonna do it though i mean like they're not made to my knowledge like i mean it seems like those those things are probably made by a company and not just like a guy like you're not gonna get right like, you know what i mean like it's like you're not like i don't know like it's not like you're getting a Paul Rogers pen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. You know, like you know what I mean. Anybody, like, anybody winding DC motor coils, like yeah, making the fucking yeah, like, motors. You know, like you're not going to get a handmade pen, and if you, and if and if you did, it would kind of defeat the purpose of like the pens, you know, actual existence. You know, like you know, because they're only supposed to function a certain way, and they're supposed to perform a certain way, but they don't look fucking cool. Like you know, like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, and, and I'm not against them at all. Like, I don't, I don't care what you use. It doesn't matter to me. Um, it just seems to me like that's like one thing 
like I don't know, people like really cool looking sneakers, and right. you you could just wear fucking Vans, you know, and they serve a they they serve a certain purpose and they function. Uh, but like you could wear go get like you know somebody to make you like custom fit fucking vans or you can get somebody to make you custom jordans or you know air max 90s or whatever I smell it what, again it depends on what your desired end result is and what your focus you know like the like yeah you, you obviously hold the, the craft of the machine at, at, at a very high value you know at, at based on your experience and can't nobody replace that or teach that or take it away and these the kids that don't have it don't have it. They, it wasn't yeah. what their experience, you know. So then, yeah, yeah we do need to. Uh, I don't, I'm not. I'm not saying any of it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's like they just. I don't know, man. It's like, like nobody gives a fuck about handwriting a letter anymore. A few people do, but most people just yeah. fucking type, right? Same thing. Like I right. really like fountain pens, and uh, I actually got a letter from uh, Nate Goffrey, who fucking on an antique typewriter typed that shit up. That like. It means more now because yeah. So a cool machine might have more value now because of all the fucking pens, all the factory made rotaries. Now these are going to be way more romantic, way more valuable. Um, right. And fewer and fewer people use them. Fewer and fewer people making them. You know, it's going to become way more collectible. And, and again, yeah. More- I mean, there's a mechanical en- endeavor in like making a coil machine, but there's also an an artistic endeavor. Yeah. You know, that's where those two fields melt together, which and that's like the, there's like I, I guess like it, there's like no romance behind a pen. There's like no no right. romantic quality. Yeah, it's no, it's a tool. It's like just like typing. You're just getting a job done. It's just a tool to get the job done. Like I have like, I don't know. it. I don't have a lot of tattoo machines that like I don't collect a lot of them, but I have an Aaron Kane. I have a Grime Graffiti G nice. number 139 from wow. 2002. And that thing is fucking beautiful. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like it was beautifully cast. It ran beautifully. I, I tattooed the shit out of people with that thing. I'm never going to get rid of it. You know, it's not just something I'm going to throw away, you know? And then if, you know, it's not so bad. Huh? Did you cast that frame? I did not. That was all investment cast. That Yeah, that was all on Aaron. Yeah, he was doing all that shit. It was Aaron. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't do um, any <laughs> investment cast was a motherfucker and we did not do any production investment casting yeah. uh, so no i only did i only did that for for my own like the phantoms but they were so difficult to get out of the foundry i didn't yeah. that's why the, that's why there's not very many of those phantoms. yeah yeah but yeah. one of those things is probably like you know probably worth like a bunch of money you know because they're sought after they're not just like something they're not they're not you might have made like 200 of them but like at the rate that they're making these pens or something like that, oh, it's right. like they're not going to hold any kind of value because they're just like, hmm. there's so fucking many of them and they all look the same. Like, you know, like there's no like artistic value. I, I just like, don't see it, you know? Hmm. And I mean, that's no reason to fucking buy. That's no reason, reason not to buy one. Like, I don't, you know, who cares? But I just like, like the, those two things, the mechanical aspect and the artistic aspect are, I think the, the thing that keep me uh, adhere like adhering to building tattoo machines right and if you look at if you look down you know let's look back in the time machine at all the stuff that bj has done and how like you know 
like you have taken an approach to tattoo machine building that if 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 you say you came from graffiti you can definitely tell like you can for sure see that your hand moves a certain way you know and like i was telling you before like you know how letters have a different stance like a k looks a certain way t's look a certain way like s's look a certain way like your machines your frames your style has a stance like that machine takes on a personality of the builder yeah, oh, yeah. stands up a little bit but like you know what i mean and like when you see you see it like over the years set stuff like look at look dude like what fucking seven eight years ago dude was making the wackiest shit like crazy and it was so sick but it was like nobody else was making this wacky shit you know maybe his stuff's a little more subdued now oh all of the fat like all of the um i see what you're saying what you're talking about when he was doing all the the um the found objects and shit like that like the the, oh just like i I mean like look at look at tony's stuff like it's like you know the the steampunk looking stuff everybody had their own style like you know like everybody has a style or at least the style that they like that rubbed off on or something but like the pens it's like that doesn't exist it's like a thing that doesn't exist in that world you know and it's a thing that like i don't even think anyone's really concerned with except for (laughs) sterility and its artistic impression yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, just saying, that it's like, cool. like, it's just, just based cool. off of that alone, like, is like, is like, it's just weird to like see a tattoo machine that's just like, you know, like, oh, what do you got? Oh, well, I got this fucking Todd Evans fucking heavy ass brass fucking machine, you know, that was passed to me down, passed down to me by my mentor, you know, that was like lost wax cast and like, you know, you know, the, the whole process of how it was made and, oh, you yeah. know, you know what I mean? Shit like that. Like, you know, you got people collecting fucking Paul Rogers machines. They're probably five grand a piece and they got 20 of them. Like, you know what I mean? Is anybody going to have 20 fucking pens? <laughs> you know, from oh, God. whoever the fuck Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this guy, it wasn't a guy that made it. But like, a, you know, you're not going to hang it on the wall. It's just like, you know, I don't know, man. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just like, like a big light. It does it. It's a tool. It does its job. Yeah. There's that artistic disconnect. I agree. But I mean, it's you're you're talking about apples and oranges in two different schools. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. It's just our, yeah. Our generation just grew up in a different light with coils, and that's what we did. Although yeah. um, rotaries aren't a new concept. No. The way they were brought into the market and the way they're being utilized. They yeah, marketed. Like the rotaries, there's like still like and you there's still like a bit of an artistic endeavor in making those like look right. cool, you know. So, oh, there's so much room. There's so much room. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much room uh, to to take any mechanism and and make it a fucking cool ass usable tattoo machine. Yeah, there's there's no reason why the pens can't look sweet, but they don't because that's not what they're trying to do. You know, like yeah, they're not going. Came for into it. You were you know rotaries were shameful. Now, wrongly but like you have these stigmas when you come into it like they like don't tattoo a taz like what the fuck are you talking about like because that's cheap <laughs> or whatever like i'll tattoo the fuck out of a ch- taz you know like who's the fuck but the wrong had that stigma like like no it wasn't so it wasn't and and they weren't really 
an option for tattoos that came out in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like it wasn't a thing. They didn't become come back to being that thing until later when maybe some of that stigma wore off because there was an influx of new people that didn't have that impression, you know? And now like these things are fucking mind-blowing, you know, what people are doing with the rotaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just got the five-minute heads up from Gabe. Oh, all right. Oh, and we were just going to start talking shit about rotaries, too. Damn. Nah, no, well, there's always talking. part. There's no, always part two. Nobody's talking shit. Always like, part two. So fucking bent out of shape. Whatever you use, whatever you want. Like no, you, it's your tools. Like it's your world. Like you know, do whatever you like. I'm just, you know, to me, it's just like, I just always feel like there has to be some artistic kind of take on whatever you're doing, because it's like I, you, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and and anything that that we do we're making our livings from being an artist because we don't want to do anything else other than be creative. Yeah. And make art. You know, that's just, right. that's how we're fucking geared wired. And that's what we continue to do. And I love to see the longevity of this going, you know, and I'm, so I wanted to just thank all of you guys for having me on this, this podcast today and blowing all that smoke up my ass. It's been a really long time since anybody's <laughs> So I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> felt nice. Uh, well deserved. Like, like, um, I, I do look forward to um, some more camaraderie and, and the shit that we're going to do at Rubber City. Um, you know, and then I think what you guys are doing here, it's kind of keeping that, keeping that flame, stoking that fire, getting more people interested in, in what goes into these things that we have dedicated our fucking lives to, you know? Yeah, I guess it's kind of sort of the modern Reed Street right here. Yeah, I mean, kind of like, but it, it's just that it's so easy to communicate now. You know, it's it's yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool. I didn't get on Reed Street. I wasn't allowed. <laughs> yeah, I was right there with you. Shit was wild. Shit was wild. You can't put this fucking guy on there. Fuck that. I was a minor league builder then. They wouldn't let me in either. <laughs> Still a minor league builder. <laughs> yeah, it became it became such a fucking pissing contest. You know, it really got out of hand, which is why it eventually you know fell apart. But um, you know, what are you gonna do? It's it's it was a new it, it was literally a forum. It was a new way for people to communicate, and you got all these fucking keyboard gangsters like nobody's scared sitting behind their computer, so motherfuckers start saying whatever the fuck they want. Right. Uh, and it got a little wild, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sorry to see it go. I it was I was really appreciative of of that forum, that ability, that way that we were able to. I learned a lot, you know. I got to help a lot of people. A lot of people helped me. Fucking yeah. was a wonderful thing. So now, yeah, I think this type of idea can continue through that. Yeah, that's there, what's up. There has to be an archive. No, of- you, don't you don't want that. There, there has to be something. <laughs> well, nobody want that shit. Don't dig that shit like, up, man. No. <laughs> I know when you those were the AOL days, dig up the path, uh, dial up days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's got to be, got to be out there somewhere. Like yeah. somewhere, has got somebody's got every little forum, like I every little, every little thread. What was that tattoo platform we were on, Greg, back in the day? Ink oh, Na- Ink, Ink Nation. Ink Nation. That, Ink Nation. that was like the poor man's. It was like poor man's Reed Street. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Reed Street B Team, dude. That's what I. That's what it was. Like B team retreat. That was that's what I was. I was a part of that. <laughs> Still good, you know. 
Tattoodles. Very much the same thing. Well, yeah, Tattoodles took over the Reed Street. That's that's who's got all that shit now, if you want to know. Yeah, uh, Adam Sky. Adam Sky, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I tried. You know, know, th- th- there was tattoo now, also. Just saying. <laughs> was that? <laughs> yeah, another little... site tattoo now. It existed, you know, back then. Uh, yeah, for you. So, uh, not, yeah, four, yeah, yeah. So it was a little thing. I think oh, I remember. Oh, I think oh, I remember oh, a, a CD but, with a magazine. But hey, yeah, yeah. That's from a. a <laughs> we were mentioning uh, Crash. I was like, like I, I tried not to jump in. We were talking about Crash and the Tattoo Artist magazine. That was awesome. I remember the first. Uh, that's how I got introduced to Adrian Lee's work. And I, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop getting any more tattoos. I'm going to finish off everything that I have. And then I'll work on, you know, everything else at once. And uh, about a month and a half ago, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm almost 50. Which means if it takes five or 10 years to finish off my bodysuit, like, now is the now is the time that I was waiting for. Oh. So... Okay. Yeah, time to, time to fin- everyone, it's, it's time for us all to finish off the bodysuits, right? Because we're not getting any younger point is though uh time's running out i have to yep. hit up the uh the business uh zoom next so this is awesome and uh Evan, to your point about the road like there's always part two you want to leave the audience uh wanting more so yeah well let me yeah i'll come uh, back part two okay we'll figure it out for we, sure we can do a full uh rotary versus coil machines and make the search engines go crazy completely fucking around yeah, we gotta talk about the machine olympics we got a lot more stuff to talk about so we that's gonna be that. fucking cool we could do part two next month if you want. Cool, I'm ready. Well, hey, we'll uh, we'll catch up uh, offline, and I'll talk to, to you all in the future. Thanks again. This was that was Thanks, amazing. Everybody.